I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Happy one year birthday, That Sex Chick listeners. Today, we are celebrating our podcast turning one. It feels like a lifetime has gone by and also no time at all. Adding the podcast to our brand and business has been such a labor of love. Every person on our team has a role in bringing this weekly production to life. It is by far my favorite aspect of what we do at Sex and Love Co. And I have so loved sharing this show with all of you. This podcast started out as little old me with the help of my EA And over the course of just one year, not only our show, but our entire company as a whole has grown and developed in so many ways. Bryn is now the operations manager and head coach of Sex and Love Co. My boyfriend turned fiance and now husband merged his talents with ours at the beginning of last year and is now the CFO of Sex and Love Co. And when I say CFO, I mean, chief fun officer, to be very clear. And we also have the kinky, spiritual, witchy Serena Rose in the mix as well, who has really taken the place of Bryn and I would say is the glue that keeps all of our crazy sex positive shit together. And now week by week, you are hearing from the whole squad. This show is truly a sex and love co-team affair. Outside of our day-to-day squad, over the last year, we've added other coaches, counselors, and therapists to our team, and together, we've all helped hundreds of people. Some of you might actually be listening right now. We've helped you with expanding and, and transforming your sex and love lives, and so many people wind up finding their way to working with us through this incredible avenue, the podcast. It's truly a team effort to bring this big of a mission and a message into the world. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being here, for trusting me, trusting us with your sexual development, with your vulnerable and heartfelt shares, with your tears, fears, frustrations, triumphs, laughter, and so much more. You are the reason we do this work. Thank you for rating us, for sharing us, and for being here with me right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. Now, for today's show, we have something super special for you. We are celebrating year one with a compilation of our favorite clips from some of our favorite episodes. Before we get started with some of our favorite clips from this last year of having That Sex Chick, the podcast, here are a few reviews from some of you. Maggie Fleming said, this show is addicting as fuck. You get to learn about yourself, spirituality, sex, and so many things while being entertained by Alexa's witty personality. This world of conscious kink is so fascinating and fun to explore. This show is everything I need and want in a sex podcast. Keep them coming, girlfriend. You got it, Maggie. And it's so cool to hear from all of you in the form of these five-star rates and reviews. So here's someone else sharing a little bit of their heart and soul about how they feel about that sex chick, the podcast from Amber Reese. It says, I have a long commute to work and I'm excited to do it since I have Alexa and this podcast to listen to. I love the realness and the education and I just love her voice. I'll take it, Amber. Thank you so much. And B Brown says, thank you. A few months back, my wife started listening to your podcast as she started her journey of finding herself and what she wanted. She had told me about it and how much she liked the different topics you covered and how it opened new ways to view things and recommends that I listen to them as well. So I started and now I can't stop. 
in just the short time we have been listening to your podcast, our marriage and sex life has taken a step further. I did not think we could get to. I could go on and on, but I just want to say thank you. Fuck yeah, B Brown. That just fills my heart with so much joy and love. I love hearing from all of you. 234 reviews over the course of this last year. So, so just so much sharing, so much excitement, so many ahas. And I love that myself and of course the whole team has gotten to participate in all of your journeys, your growth, your development, and your pleasure. So on to the show. Episode 34, Lila, Sex Parties Done Right. Lila defines sex positivity in such an expansive and inclusive way, touching on all the parts of sexual expression. When I think of sex positivity, I think of it as a celebration of our sexual selves. And that includes who we sex, when we sex them, and the way that we choose to sex them consensually. All consensual, relational, and sexual choices are celebrated and treated with regard and treated as valid. And also, for me, there's a freedom in it to change your mind. So a freedom to have traditional or alternative relationship styles and to for that to change throughout your life. And to me, that is crux of sex positivity that isn't often talked about because when people hear sex positivity if they're not very well versed they really think it's about being hypersexual and it isn't episode 41 Bryn Daler threesomes dating apps and knowing your desires Bryn and I talk about leading with sex and why that's important in dating this is an important value that I've mentioned often and I hold the belief that as a sex coach It's so important to leave with sex. Doesn't mean you have to actually have the sex right away, but just like you want to know about a person's history and background, their parents, their siblings, it's also really important to start the conversations early about what type of sex they like to have and also how they relate to themselves and pleasure. I exercised with Jordan and that is leading with the conversation of sex and leading with just like... I am all of these things that I consider myself, like I was describing my identity, aspects of my personality. So I am a Leo. I oftentimes like, you know, like I would use that. I'm a manifester in human design. I'm an Enneagram three wing two. I'm, I have all these things that I've discovered about myself. And while I'm not like putting myself in the human design box or the Enneagram box or the whatever, I use the language that those systems have given me and I use them to help me describe myself. Mm -hmm. And I also describe myself as someone who really loves to be a submissive. Mm -hmm. I I love to describe myself as I can be bratty. I enjoy certain aspects of kink. I enjoy certain, I love mindfuckery. Mm -hmm. I love the energetics of sex. Mm -hmm. So these are things that, you know, I need to find out if the person who I'm interacting with can meet me there. Otherwise we're setting ourselves up for massive disappointment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the conversation now is turning to leading with sex and dating because this is a first for you. Yeah. Yes. Um, And I think if I look back at the 20 year old version of me trying to do this, it was coming from a very different place. It was coming from using sex as manipulation and using sex to try to 
win over men's attention versus now sex is a part of my, it's one of the pillars of who I am as a human being. And to deny that pillar and deny that part of myself would be to deny myself as, as a sexual, open, independent, confident woman. And so the conversations look very different. And we talk about sex relatively quickly yeah. um, because to me, because sex wasn't prioritized in my marriage, again, like you said, was absolutely one of the downfalls of our relationship. We were not actively developing our sexual relationship. And therefore it came to a head several times and where we were sexless or just not able to um, find compatibility. We didn't know what we were doing. Didn't know hiring a sex coach was a thing. That's for damn sure. Episode 48, Jordan Bowditch. Our monogamous relationship, how we plan to bring in a third. Jordan and I discuss how to turn jealousy into turn on. And this is such a powerful concept for clients, certainly for ourselves. And I imagine that it's really common. I love this clip because it names how it actually transmutes the energy from jealousy into turn on. We even use the word compersion. Jealousy is a thing for a reason and it is warranted for a reason. Be warned, run away. That thing is not safe. Yeah. Don't procreate with it. <laughs> <laughs> not trustworthy, won't give your future children resources. It's going to go somewhere else and give <sighs> her and their children resources. And anyway, there's a biological reason yeah. that that response is there. Mm -hmm. So I've heard you describe jealousy for you as a turn on. And yeah. what I mean by that is sort of in a kinky capacity yeah an emotional masochist yeah a little bit of mm -hmm. mind fuckery yeah because jealousy like many of those bigger emotions or emotions that people even steer clear of or run mm -hmm. away from so to speak they move like i said they move the system very quickly somebody mm -hmm. can go from completely neutral to hearing that their person was doing such and such at a party and then it spikes adrenaline yeah. spikes cortisol spikes all these neurochemicals in their body and that is the shit that makes you feel alive yeah so some people get in loops where they're almost attached to relationships where they feel that thing because it mm -hmm. does feel like a roller coaster of a ride yeah and it's life and i think the difference here is the situation you just described is being hijacked and blindsided by that energy without trust, consent, all those kinds of things. But right. the other side of that is if there is trust, there's communication, understanding, consent, then suddenly it becomes this playful fuel mm, that you really? can leverage. These things come up. Yes. It's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm not, I don't need to identify with this emotion of jealousy, insecurity or whatever, because I trust him. I trust yes. them. And I trust myself. Trust myself. 100%. And that's something too, because there've been relationships in the past where the jealousy stuff comes up or it did come up. And I was with a person that was oftentimes playing in this very dark, slimy, sleazy, like I mentioned, and then jealousy would come up in me. And I at one stage, it, it showed itself in various ways. And at one stage, at a time when I would actually get angry, then I, I wouldn't know how to handle or navigate communicating that I was upset about this thing and that this, this thing was wrong because the vast majority of the information that was getting said back to me was in a sense trying to spin a different story and manipulate the situation. And I was crazy. Yeah. And fuck that asshole. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh -huh. Sort of. Episode 47. Bryn Daler on Sex Life on Netflix. 
Bryn discusses opening your relationship, how you can possibly do that with integrity and when you absolutely shouldn't do it. I love this clip because so often we hear of open relationships as a valid option, which they absolutely are. But this really paints the full picture of how to do it from a place of integrity. I wasn't in this deep, right? But in some ways I was, I was still married. When we opened our relationship, I thought it was, I say thought with quotation marks around it because I thought um, that I wanted just purely sexual experiences. And I knew I was craving more than that. I was craving emotional intimacy. I was craving range. I was craving variety. So when we opened our relationship, I was able to kiss somebody consensually and it completely opened up me falling in love essentially with another person while I was married. And I remember in the beginning when that new relationship energy is kicking in, him saying to me, like, I don't know how to navigate this because I know you're married and I'm scared of getting hurt. And it's hard because I really desire you. And I also know that there are, it's more than just me at play. And so it gets messy really quickly, especially when you're opening things up from a place of, um, Dissatisfaction. Yes. And not on solid ground, which is essentially what she was playing with. She was playing with fire and it really is playing with fire at that point um, because you're wanting more and the more is dangling in front of your face. Um, And for me, I I kept following that and I kept pursuing that. And um, I think what could have made that situation on my end, at least in a lot more integrity was my two partners having conversations and then the three of us having conversations. And I was absolutely terrified of doing that because I think I was scared of the emotion and the bigness and the maturity that it was going to take for us all to be able to have those levels of conversations. Episode three, Jordan Bowditch, the hero's journey from compulsive porn to conscious sex. In this clip, Jordan speaks to how his preteen years shaped his relationship to sex and porn. And this quote symbolizes a lot of what this podcast is about. Vulnerability, normalizing our experiences, normalizing the already normal, but oftentimes shamed parts of sex, including what we all went through during puberty. What's most personal is most universal. This has felt very personal to me, but I imagine it's very universal to a Mm -hmm. lot of people. That's where these stereotypes and these things come from. So I'm like, I have fun sharing this because I know a lot of people can relate because I've had this conversation many times. Right. Um, so started there. Where everybody was jerking off the same room with a blanket, all yeah. watching the same VHS together. Yeah. And for me at that <laughs> age, it was more about the, again, the curiosity, the like brotherhood connection as perverse as it kind of was. And it's like taboo. Um, being included. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All those kind of things. Um, so that's prepubescent. And then... Once I started being able to bust a nut (laughs) around the age of like 12, um, that's when it (laughs) got different. That was Mm -hmm. when I was like, oh my God, this is, (laughs) I could just jerk off all day. And I kind of (laughs) did. So yeah, from ages like 12 to 14, and this is in Ohio. So I grew up half Ohio, half Southern California. um, I was masturbating almost daily and oftentimes multiple times a day. And always to some visual stimuli, i.e. porn. Mm -hmm. And usually my mom's cassette tapes or other friends' parents' cassette tapes that we would like trade around or VHSs. Yeah, I always get those mixed up. I mean, unless you were listening to it. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, And this was, you know, pre 
the proliferation of internet and videos on the internet. Right. So at that time, it's like only your most rich friends had a computer and they had dial-up internet. So like it wasn't a thing to, and you couldn't watch, couldn't stream videos really, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but then getting into the ages of 14 to 16 in high school, that's when the internet started to explode. Um, pornography online was like a thing that was very accessible. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I moved full time to California and was living with my grandparents and my mom. My grandparents were pastors of a charismatic church called Powerhouse. So, <laughs> you know, I'm living with them at this ripe age where pornography and masturbation is very much like in my mind at all times, <laughs> even if it's not the forefront, it's in the back. And so I'm like dealing with this in a home where that is like wrong. It's, it's just simply not accepted. It's not even really talked about. It's just understood. And so I was shamefully hiding it on my grandpa's computer, you know, in my mom's room. Cause I didn't have my own room. I literally like slept and lived in the den. That was like a, my makeshift bedroom. So the only mm -hmm. privacy I could create to watch a video is in this kind of a setting. So oh my, my mom would walk in on me sometimes and I would just like feverishly hide, you know, or even the grandparents. And I cringe looking back on that. And I'm also like, I giggle, of course, you know, right. and yeah. And I like got caught many times, like not so much like right in the act. Cause I just like hit it, but it was like very clear. I remember feeling super embarrassed. And sometimes it even came up as a joke with like my mm. mom and her friends or like my older brother and his friends. And it just, it like hurt. Like it was right. like, Oh, it's so fucking embarrassing. Um, and then, you know, moving through high school more then hooking up with chicks started to be a thing. And it was mm -hmm. even in middle school, 12 to 14, but it was a bit more innocent. Um, I did get my first blow job, I had my first blow job when I was, I think I was 14 in eighth grade, um, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> and also very awkward. And then I very much had like a, a mindset that I was not going to have sex until I was married. Mm -hmm. That was like the upbringing. And it was kind of like, even though in Christianity, all sins are equal, you know, no, not murder is the same as lying essentially. Right. That's the theory yeah. behind it. Um, there's a few kind of cardinal sins in a sense, <laughs> like that's the energy you feel behind it. And having sex before, before marriage, marriage is yeah. one of those um, along with like abortion and, and those kinds of things, mm -hmm. just the ones that feel particularly shameful. And so I had, and so for really no other reason than that, I decided I had it in my mind that I was not going to have sex till marriage. Mm -hmm. So most of my friends, in fact, all of my closest friends all had sex before me. Uh, however, it was like, I can do everything else. So I'm, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to double down on the other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I did finally, finally have sex for the first time, my junior year prom, 17 years old in the bathroom with my girlfriend at the time. Oh my gosh. It was like, not a great experience, it, you know? wasn't bad. It's sex. Even the worst sex I've had is pretty good. Usually. <laughs> Episode 32, Madeline Moon, embodiment and intimacy. Let your darkness fuck. Madeline defines divine masculine in a way that all listeners can really understand and speaks directly to the wounded masculine and how it may show up in today's world. Swinging swords, success around for everyone to see. Nowadays, there is a lot of spiritual jargon, which can sometimes be confusing. I love this quote because Madeline takes such a big concept like divine masculinity and is able to reach the masses with her definition of it. Masculine is 
consciousness. Feminine is energy. Breaking that down even more, masculine is like nothingness almost. It's in, whereas feminine is everything. The opposite. So it's yin and yang, the sun and moon. Um, the masculine energy being that it's consciousness that's earlier when i was saying stillness it's very similar like the masculine part of you contrary to what you probably hear it's not about going 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 it's about being able to be incredibly still it's that warrior energy that has his equipment that he needs to go fight his battles but he doesn't need to wave around his sword for all to see egotistically. That's what the wounded masculine does. We see that all the time with men with their power and the patriarchy. You know, when, when they want to dominate instead of having a dominion. That's what the masculine can do in all of us. And so that's where the hustle does work with the masculine. That kind of energy can fit into the masculine because when you are still, you are focused. And then you can go out and you can face your demons and you can face your battles and have the hero's journey. Episode 39, Libby Leah and Andrew Drish, Relationship Rituals, Death Cycles and Sabbaticals. Andy shares about the concept of a relationship sabbatical. I think this concept is so radical and unique and it's such an eye-opening moment for the listeners. And it's also a roadmap to what more is in a relationship and that you can really, really think outside of the box. We take relationship sabbaticals usually once every year or so. And this was the original impetus for where this came from was, was we needed space to go and evolve in some sort of way. And if I were single, I could go do the thing and do all this, but I'm in relationships. So how do you create a space where you can still go be in your world and evolve, but still having the stable piece? So this was the first, the first iteration where we did that. And it was a total, it was completely challenging and super beautiful. And like so many things came out of it. And that's kind of, that's where this notion of the sabbatical came from and why we've started integrating it into our lives um, on a yearly-ish basis. Oh my gosh. It's kind of a conscious way to like heed the death cycle and maintain your sovereignty and your relationship, like really finding a rhythm between the two. And, and each sabbatical for us has been a different theme and different agreements around sex, around money, around like location, whatever, right? Communication. And whatever it, we attune to like really, well, where are we? And like, what wants to happen here? And what's the impulse or what are the desires or what are the fears? And like, let's start there. Episode 45, Kimmy Inch, play parties, erotic blueprints, and fantasy exploration. Kimmy talks about how to approach a scene as a dom and the importance of knowing your erotic blueprint. I love this clip because Kimmy shares about what a dom really is and how to connect to your body when creating a scene. Plus, the importance of knowing your turn-ons. As a dominatrix, I have my own sort of way of approaching a scene, like everything from starting off with the self-connection, which we would take you through this meditation where you get in touch with your body Mm -hmm. and get grounded in yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can be clear that when you are aware of your internal landscape, that when you're with a partner, you can read more what's happening in the room. And if something pings inside of you, you can ask yourself, does this belong to me or is this my partner? And you're able to decipher this information a little bit easier. So 
you know, making sure that you guys self-connected first was really important. And then also how do we fill ourselves up and not rely on our partners for that fulfillment, right? Like Mm -hmm. how do we arouse the erotic energy? And Mm -hmm. we all had a nice little dance party Mm -hmm. to start things off and played that. I want to fuck you like an animal. Uh Everybody got into it (laughs) and it does it like, you know, really builds the energy in that sense. Um, And I do this before a session every single time. Like I feel myself as much Uh, with the erotic energy or Eros energy as possible, I self-connect and then I bring Mm. that fullness to my partner and then I take time to attune with them. So in order to attune to the, to our partner more fully, it's always a good idea to maybe ask some for more information. And that's why we did the blueprint, um, erotic blueprint quiz. And that's why we decided to bring that element into the workshop because it's such an amazing attunement tool to understand what's your erotic blueprint and your play partner's Mm -hmm. erotic blueprint. And, and having that information can just deepen the experience even more so. And when you know, if, is my partner an energetic are they a sexual? Are they a sensual? Are they a shapeshifter? Are they a kinky? Um, that's going to be information on how I can approach them and take this experience to the next level. And it goes mm-hmm. both ways, of course. And it was really fun to see the people in the room um, identify with their blueprint on a deeper level. They were actually very surprised, like, mm-hmm. oh, this makes sense. I'm a sexual. No wonder, you know, I enjoy porn and I enjoy just the physical aspects or I'm a sensual. That's why I really love the room to be beautiful Mm. and the music to be playing and the candles to be lit. Like, and it made it okay to be you, you know, it made it okay. And like, let's just accept each other for where we are and work with what we have. Mm -hmm. So that was the point of the erotic blueprint. Episode 22, Nicole Jardim, periods and the female hormone cycle simplified. Nicole answers the question, how do we live in harmony with our menstrual cycle? There's stigma surrounding so much with sex, even the acts that are 100% completely natural and involuntary, like a women's cycle. We are taught to hate our periods, that it's gross, etc. And it feels important to highlight this quote because that sex chick is also about education and sharing helpful information. This information can truly be life-changing. And that's whether you have a menstrual cycle or you love people who have menstrual cycles. I think this comes back to what we were just talking about, about having an understanding of how your body works, because this is deeply empowering. I think that when we are just walking around in the dark, we're really just perpetually afraid of our bodies is what it is, right? We've been told this story about the, the bot, your body is just this mysterious thing that we don't really know how it works. And you just have to deal with the problems that come with it when they arise. When in fact, your body is always talking to you. It is always sending you signs and signals, as you well know. And when we learn to interpret those, then we've basically learned to decode our bodies. And that is hugely empowering. And it is such an incredible gift that we don't even realize we have. And really coming back to, you know, what happened to you when during puberty, when you were getting your first period, what is your period story? And when you think about your experience, and it was potentially traumatic, as is the case for so many, if it was, it's likely how you've continued to approach your period and your general menstrual cycle and possibly your entire body for 
however many decades or years since you've you got your period. So I encourage everyone to really think back to that and to really try and unravel that because that is not a definite or defining factor for how your menstrual cycle should be or how you should approach it. And so when we're talking about living in harmony, really what we start with is what what's my cycle doing? I and you and really you figure that out by tracking. So you really want to know uh, when you're getting your period, how long your entire menstrual cycle is, how long does your period last for? Do you bleed a lot or a little? Do you have PMS symptoms? Are you pushing into PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which you know can be really disruptive to life? And are you experiencing pain of any kind? Because if there's anything that is normalized in our society, it is menstrual pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I often say that you know, when we go to the doctor with pain in other parts of our body, genuinely or generally, they will try and figure out what's going on. Not always, but generally speaking, they will. But with period pain, when your uterus hurts, that's just normal. It comes <laughs> it's with no big deal. Comes with the territory. Totally comes with the territory. Exactly. And so when you're experiencing pain that disrupts your life, meaning you need to take more than say like two ibuprofen or you have to stay home from work or something like that, that to me is pain that deserves uh, a second look and to figure out what's going on from a root cause perspective. So all of these signs and symptoms are your body basically speaking to you. It's your hormones telling you what's going on and they're just speaking to you through your menstrual cycle. So when you know this information, you know your body and you're able to now have an empowered conversation with your doctor or possibly find another doctor if this doctor isn't listening to you or not willing to work with you on the issues that you're dealing with. So I think we start there. We start with understanding our cycle and then really living in harmony with it comes down to knowing those four phases of your cycle. Like I, I love that we have this. You know, I've often said over the years, it's like a superpower basically because we know when to push really hard in our lives and we know when to take a step back and take a break or, or step away from something when it's just not quite working. And men don't really have that. <laughs> they just don't. They have a daily cycle. You know, right. their testosterone's high in the morning, their cortisol is high. And then it drops and then they do it all over again. Plus, we're far more nuanced, as you know. (laughs) Which is not something to fix and doesn't mean we're crazy. We're also just as predictable in a a sense. Right? I know. I want to, we definitely have to talk about your cycle tracking because, and how you, you know, you sync this with your partner because that's really what I think this comes down to is how do you utilize this, you know, these cycle superpowers? to really have, you know, maximize efficiency in your life and your relationships and the work that you're doing and and just accomplish goals. And something I wrote about in my book that I really loved in the same chapter where I talk about this, like living in harmony with your cycle was the um, women's soccer team, the US women's soccer team. And the fact that they hired an actual specialist, like a period consultant to help them train in tandem with their cycles, eat, and you know, according to their cycles, all of it, exercise, sleep, everything. And they won the championship or they won the world cup. Like, you know, that's, you know, that year that they, percent because of that that's yeah that's I mean that's I feel like it is I mean, I'm just like I won't take complete ownership of that but I feel like it totally has something to do prove with me it. otherwise 
Yeah, right. I mean, in fact, the woman who scored the the winning goal, she got her period the next day. So I'm just like, you were scoring goals to win the World Cup <laughs> and you were right, you were premenstrual. So this is, you know, we often think that our periods are going to hold us back or they're they're just so disrupted for our lives, but they really don't have to be when we're living in tandem with them in this way. Episode 16, Taylor Lou Dixon and Adi Casio. Well-sexed friends, building strong, pleasure-filled female friendships. In this clip, I speak on friendship and my personal gratitude for the genuine connections I have. Re-listening to this brought tears to my eyes. This is the second most asked question about my life on social media, following the obvious sex, dating, and relationships. And it has to do with how to build meaningful relationships with other females and friendships, of course a most often underestimated part of our journey and a key to the success of a relationship, a romantic one specifically, is your support squad. There is so much, it's really important, I should say, to have a support squad and to have friends of the same gender, of the same sex that you can relate with and to. That helps to relieve the pressure that you might possibly be putting on your romantic partnerships. This is a really great clip highlighting just that. I love you both so fucking much. And I had no idea that friendships could feel like this, could be like this. Like I'm so all in on the both of you. Like I'm in on my partner, partner, my, my romantic relationship. Like I just appreciate you both so much for being in my life, for continuing to show up, for being a beautiful and sometimes not so beautiful mirror to (laughs) know. I love that you give me permission, whether you know it or not, to be who I am. And that means I don't have to try to be the things that I'm not. And I so admire the fact that I'm a totally different creature than the both of you. And I feel like I'm seen and I feel like I am um, admired and respected for my differences and just so easy to be friends with y'all. And I couldn't imagine having this conversation. Well, first off, I couldn't have had this conversation a couple of years ago because I didn't know that this existed in the world. And so y'all's friendship has transformed the woman that I am becoming. I fucking love you both so much. And it's going to be really fun sharing two microphones between the three of us for the next 45 minutes or so. What a beautiful journey down memory lane, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this birthday celebratory episode of That Sex Chick. It would mean the absolute world to my team and I if you were able to give us the B-Day gift of a written review on iTunes. Let us know your favorite episode, what takeaways have impacted your life the most, and what you'd love to hear in 2022. I'm loving you all way more than you'll ever know. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.